You are listening to Cape Shit, a podcast taking a chronological and often spoiler-heavy look into the Marvel Cinematic Universe films, one film at a time. Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. Meet the sulky, over-funky, kinda hunky superhero A two-fisted and electrically transistored superhero An exotically neurotic and aquatic superhero The Marvel superheroes have arrived Super-powered from the forehead to the toes Watch them change their very shape before your nose See arcane striking superhero change to viking superhero A-ha-fling and real swing and shield fling and superhero They're the latest, they're the greatest, ultimate superheroes The Marvel superheroes have arrived Tony Stark makes you feel he's a cool exec Okay, and welcome to Cape Shit, Episode 1, a podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, an offshoot of They Must Be Destroyed on Sight, which, uh, if you're listening to this, you probably already know about. I'm Daniel, who you probably already know, and I'm joined by uh, my friend Lee. Say hi, Lee. Hello, sir. (laughs) Nice to be here. Again, spoiler alert, we're recording this about eight minutes after we stopped recording the uh, most recent They Must Be Destroyed on Site episode, which, uh, again, probably shows up right above this in the feed. So, um, yeah. So uh, the idea behind this is uh, I'm kind of fascinated. Like, the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe is popcorn entertainment for me. It's Mm -hmm. it's kind of my comfort food as as a movie franchise. Like, I put these on all the time just as just, just things to rewatch i think they're kind of interesting in the sense that uh this is a franchise that has completely remade the modern cinema like 21st century cinema is arguably aping this kind of concept and so i thought it would be interesting to kind of look at these in order and uh, talk about kind of how they work what they do well what they don't do well and also so much of what we do on the mist we destroyed on site is a uh you know kind of you know low budget to mid budget kind of thing like mm-hmm. usually many decades old uh something that you know kind of like it, it's kind of a steady in like economic mediocrity which is great in its own way like it, it's kind of fascinating to see like these things that are just these kind of personal visions of, of people and this kind of like desire for economic success and this kind of like very <coughs> marginal this isn't that this is like we're looking at like these super high budget films this giant franchise which makes a ton of money there are currently i believe 21 of these films uh in release every single one of them has won its weekend Mm -hmm. and um we're just gonna kind of do them in order until we get to the end or until it becomes unnecessary to keep doing them in this first episode we are going to be talking about the original iron man from 2008 it was released on may 2nd 2008 and uh just to kind of orient us in time i'm going to give you the uh, top five <laughs> films hmm. that were released that that weekend uh, on this weekend of uh, may 2nd to 4th 2008 uh number one was iron man number two was maid of honor uh three oh. was baby mama four was harold and kumar escape from guantanamo bay oh and jesus five was forgetting sarah marshall 
which is actually a film I, I really That's enjoy. a good film. Yeah, I, like I, that. I really enjoy that film. We should do that on They Must Be Destroyed at some point. Yeah. But, so that puts us in a, uh, you know, it kind of gets us into the headspace of where these movies are and kind of what, what was kind of going on in pop culture at the time, at least in terms of cinema. So in this discussion, we're really just going to kind of do a, a very kind of brief kind of surface level thing. Lee, just to get us started, um, what's your uh, kind of overall uh, feeling about the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I like it a lot. I love how this whole series has been basically just blockbuster after blockbuster, but they still bring quality to, like basically the majority of the films are still quality. Nothing feels too super rote and just like by the numbers as far as I'm concerned. I like that coming stemming from Iron Man, they they found their way with the story. Like I think as we talk about Iron Man, we'll talk about how they probably didn't know what the fuck they were doing for the most part. And <laughs> in, in, in a lot of ways, this was the test. This was the sort of litmus test to see if this could work. And then they move from there and sort of retroactively kind of like develop some things. Yeah, particularly in the first few. I mean, the really the, the thing is, you know, they're trying shit out. Some of it works better than others. And, you know, but they're, but they're definitely honing into a thing. I mean, and like today we kind of get this sense of we get like three of these a year at this point, And there's right. kind of a, a product that's that's kind of been perfected mm-hmm. um but i think it's interesting like now and i'm not trying to like steal your thunder on the conversation i'm just saying i think one of the things is interesting to kind of go back to the beginning and kind of relook at these in order as a way of kind of like how did we get here is kind of part yeah of the and now. i'm immediately finding this useful as well because this is one of the films as far as the iron man series goes that i have not revisited part two and three I've revisited way more times than I've revisited the first one. And to revisit this has definitely sort of changed my opinion of it. And I have seen all these Marvel films over the last, you know, 10 years, 11 years at this point. Yeah. Um, it's made me appreciate it a lot more that on this rewatch to, to see where they started and to see where they've gone. And uh, we'll get more into it, but yeah, just yeah. In, in in general. But so I don't think either one of us are like comic fans, so like a particular like like I'm well, not I'm not like a comic book geek. I think I think maybe you are a little bit more than me. I was up till my teenage years, sure. and, and and that being said, Iron Man was not a fucking character that anyone in comic books really you know read. Like, uh, I, I think that's one of the things to say uh, about this film is that this was a risk as, as far as uh, starting with Iron Man, because Iron Man was not a popular character in the 90s. He was old school, uh, very uh, capitalist fucking uh, <laughs> uh, shitty. Oh, oh, don't worry, we're going to get there. <laughs> yeah, no, but... Like, just, just a shitty, boring character that no one really cared about. There, there was a lot of trepidation to even use Iron Man's the first, like, launching point for the Marvel series. But they did it, and they actually fucking hit it off and, and did a really good job. But, yet, no, Iron Man was fucking boring it, like no one well, cared about iron man I, I feel like that's part of and so just just as it just to kind of like which one are we covering i feel like we should do that every time you know mm-hmm. this is the first one it's the introduction to the marvel cinematic universe yeah we're introduced to iron man played by robert denny jr who is a, a war profiteer then a playboy which right. is a thing that is totally real in our real world uh you yeah, know yeah 
the billionaire playboy, uh, you know, uh, war profiteer, maybe philanthropist who sleeps around a lot, you know, gets captured, put in the cave, builds a giant suit for himself as a way of getting out of the cave and uh, eventually becomes a superhero while uh, sleeping with his secretary, which is awesome. Uh, played by Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyn- Gwyneth Paltrow as a redhead works for me. This and, is and probably real- my favorite Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, because yeah, in real life, she's a crazy person. And <laughs> and it's like... I, I, in, real, I, I, in real life, I just can't think of Gwyneth Paltrow without thinking goop. Like, Gwyneth Paltrow yeah, goop. No, it's she's... Just, she's you know, she, she's fucking cray-cray. Like, she's nuts. Yeah, yeah. But as the redhead Pepper Potts in this film series... I'm totally on board. I'm like, yeah, I see what you see in her, Tony Stark. I'm on board. Yeah. What What you need is Gwyneth Paltrow. What you need is freckles in order to really kind of, you know, like eh. that's that's the process. It's red hair and freckles, and suddenly, oh yeah, no, I get Gwyneth Paltrow. I'm with Pepper you. Potts is a better person than Gwyneth Paltrow is in real life. Well, I mean, you know, I, I was gonna I was gonna make a really terrible joke, but uh, I mean, gonna, <laughs> you know. I was going to really demean Gwyneth Paltrow as a person who is probably like a perfectly like she's just a rich person and like she grew she's up. She's a rich, so, stupid person. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, just she's just one of those like basic liberal, very wealthy, like let's do like the Earth Mother thing and like you know, probably not a big fan of vaccines. I don't know. I don't really care so much about Gwyneth Paltrow as a person, but she's very good in this movie. I like she's her in really this movie. great in this movie. So, you know, she really is. She's a great actress. I, I will not take that away from her. I think I think it's also worth you know Robert Downey Jr. in two thousand eight. I mean this is this is a, I think a year or two after a Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yes, which kind of uh, I think we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get a little bit further along in this series because the director that comes back. Sorry, I could have like listed a director and everything. I assume everybody can just fucking look at the Wikipedia page for the movie. It's fine. What, yeah, yeah, I mean for for people who follow like uh, TMB DOS, we're not going so you know, balls deep into like directors and who's what, who's I'm acting this where we're assuming, you know, yeah, this is, this is, this is the, the biggest franchise in history. We're assuming you've seen the film. It's fine. <laughs> you yeah. know? This well, is a casual conversation. This is kind of the Tim Badass after show. Yeah, um, it really this, is. This is this is Tim Badass after dark. This is kind of what's happening on this, uh, you know, because we're literally <laughs> recording this. We record Tim Badass at 11 PM. This is what happens afterwards. <laughs> we, we, we just did an episode. We did some drinking. We're doing more drinking. So yeah. jump into it. It's a thing. It's a thing. So yeah, th- this is this is not a like serious and sober examination uh, with emphasis on not serious and not sober. That's the that's the, yeah you know so yeah. so just something to kind of get out of the way in general with these films. Um, so starting around the time of Top Gun and Iron Eagle, which uh, we happened to come up in our, in our <laughs> most recent Timbados. Yeah. Um. So the U.S. government uh, started a program, kind of in the wake of protests of Vietnam, to uh, basically sort of gift material to Hollywood as a way of sort of like, oh, you want to make a film about the military? Here, uh, borrow an aircraft carrier, etc. And right. uh, we're not going to charge you for it, but also uh, we get script approval. Starting around this time, basically all of Hollywood became like kind of 
irresolutely pro-military in a way that right. you know sometimes is more overt and sometimes is a little bit more subtle and this is something that's you know going to go through this entire series mm-hmm. you know we could we could talk about this kind of over and over and over again the way that the, these films um absolutely portray kind of american militarism as an overall positive i mean you know one of the one of the kind of central themes here is that tony stark finds out that like terrorists might be using his weapons like the taliban <laughs> yeah. like like uh, some some crazy brown person in afghanistan <laughs> is using his weapons and not like you know oh but also the u.s military has been uh you know like bombing all these villages of innocent people with those same weapons and uh mm-hmm. nowhere in the film does tony stark have any issue with that it's, it's completely just when the really bad person who is not subtitled and speaks a, a foreign language. Those are the people that we need to be scared of. Um, this is this is something that I just want to highlight it here and just say, like, yes, I'm aware of this problem. It's not quite as overt as the most recent film where our superhero literally takes the colors of the Air Force, despite <laughs> being, like, a kind of sort of an alien being. Yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's even, like, that goes over the line of even, like, the subtlety is completely lost at that point. Um, <laughs> but, it, but it is, uh, it is kind of worth noting that like, this is something that's going to kind of come back over and over and over again. I will try to highlight it as, as, as necessary. I mean, the relationship with these films with the, with the U S military is interesting. I mean, we'll, we will kind of cover that, but it's just sort of a thing that that's here. I just want to mention it at the outset so that I'm aware of it, but I'm not going to like focus on it. It's kind of the, you know, yeah. Tony Stark's a piece of shit. So, like, yeah. he starts in this film as a piece of shit, and this baby steps for him to become a better person. And they do make, you know, this movie does make an effort to make Tony Stark more than just the likable asshole. They try to make him the likable human being, and it takes several films for him to even approach that. And <laughs> I, I think we can, you know, argue in further episodes, whether he gets there or not, but they make some steps here. They make some baby steps and Tony well, starts entertaining from the beginning. And I think that oh, that's yeah. kind of the key. And, and in particular, like a bunch, you know, Robert Tanny Jr. Was known at this time as being, sorry, I was kind of getting to that here at the, you know, at the beginning, you know, he was known as being the guy who, uh, you know, like the 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 ex drug addict, you know, the guy yeah. who had gone to prison, like the the kind of the child star, the teen, you know, this this brilliant actor who had like gotten addicted to heroin and like had you know serious drug problems for like several, you know, for right. for a really long time, and it looked like he would he was kind of like circling the the toilet bowl for mm-hmm. a while. But then he he kind of comes back. He does uh, does a couple of movies. Does Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah. Um, that's kind of his like entree back into That's, kind of Hollywood. Uh, what, uh, John Favreau basically, yeah. It's like I need him. I need this guy. Like let's yeah. let's bring him on. And uh, John Favreau had been had been a guy who was kind of an indie director in the '90s. He had done um, Swingers. He had done Made. He yep. had done some other stuff. But he was coming at this point off of kind of a series of kind of big budget flops. He had done yep. the uh, what's Jumanji ripoff. Uh, yeah. The, the, whatever that space movie was, whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry, we, I did no research ahead of this. So we're the, this, this we're, we're completely unprofessional. We're, we're assuming people good. know what we're talking about that, that John Favreau fucking Jumanji space ripoff. You know what it is. Fuck you. Yeah. Just, just somebody, go somebody go Google it and tell us, and we will not care. Do not at exactly. Me. Fuck you. Fine. Yeah. 
contempt for the audience is the thing that we mm-hmm. do. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I mean, Favreau kind of needed a hit as well at this yeah. point, you know? And I mean, I remember seeing, I mean, you know, at the time I had a, like, it was one of those, you get a bunch of free issues and then you fail to uh, cancel and then you end up paying, but like, you're kind of enjoying it. I had like an entertainment weekly subscription, you know, like, so, you know, it's one of those, like the pile of magazines in the bathroom, which you just kind of like flip through. And then I remember like seeing like, oh, this like Iron Man thing. And uh, like, it's summer of 2008. It was definitely, you know, like there was, there was some hype around it, but it did, it did seem like, you know, nobody really knew the character but i think that's also part of what like kind of worked about this is that i mean you look at sort of the the capabilities of iron man as as sort of like in this film he's kind of superman because he has a suit like he can fly and he can like hit things real hard he's got missiles superman doesn't have missiles but he has like laser eyes and stuff you know like there, there is a sense in which um they're kind of selling the thing that iron man can do is sort of superman but through like technology rather than like being a magic space alien uberman kind of so, guy you know so my my feeling on this is going to be a little slightly different the, uh, you, this is not allowed disagreement is not something <laughs> that we allow in this podcast i i feel like uh tony stark is basically bruce wayne if his parents didn't die as as a kid like oh no, like, no i i agree with that as well you know I, i'm just kind of strictly thinking I, about I, the I, I i feel like this guy is batman he's like batman if you could just be fun batman like if you could just yeah, because, like if you because, could be batman and like drive around in a ferrari all the time and right go to like all the premieres and like yeah, this, on your secretary and sleep with the journalists and you know like, yeah you know. yeah no yeah this is this is bruce wayne if his parents didn't die until he was a successful teenager who was going into college, who was a genius, a boy genius, you know, whatever. This is the this is the Bruce Wayne who is not traumatized by his parents' death. This is the Bruce Wayne who is traumatized by the fact that he's an asshole and he and he faces that fact that he's a fucking asshole and tries to change his life and stop being an asshole. Although, you know, as we get into the films, he's still an asshole. <laughs> Yeah, he really is still an well, asshole. This this is something that's going to come back certainly in the second Iron Man film. You know, yeah, like, but, like but he spoiler but he alert, he's definitely still an asshole. You know? But he tries. He tries to be yeah. better, and he tries to be the likable asshole. You know, like the film tries to make him the likable asshole they can get behind, and for the most part, I think it's fairly successful. Uh, I think our friend Jack Graham would disagree totally. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, well, you know, without, I mean, I'm not trying to put words in Jack's, in Jack's mouth or anything. I, I think that Jack's perspective is basically like the fundamental like issue of, is he a decent person is fundamentally flawed by the sense of this is where this guy existed. You know, this is a billionaire who makes his money, like making things that work in favor of American imperialism. Right. That the film and therefore like he never questions sort of the logic of that. That's the kind of fundamental evil at the at the heart of of the film. I think the film is really entertaining. I mean, I, I unlike you, I've I've rewatched this a few times. Like it shows up on cable occasionally, mm-hmm. and just kind of you know, I will sit and rewatch this, and I I enjoy it kind of on its own terms. But like you know, it, it is sort of like it just this film, and again, like all the films in the series, do not question that kind of basic logic of American imperialism. Right. And the second you give that any kind of scrutiny at all the entire thing is like this completely evil project and yeah uh, you know again ironically the very next film we're going to cover is probably the one that questions that the most you know 
I mean, here we get a little bit of the um, where the military is sort of like anti-Iron Man, sort of sort of uh, kind of because they're kind of attacking because they're they're they, you get a little bit of a, a conflict there. But you see that as uh, you know, like uh, Terrence Howard, who uh, you know kind of kind of plays uh, Colonel Rhodes, yeah, replaced by the time of the next Iron Man film. Yeah, it's, we'll, it's we'll talk like... about that in a couple in, in a couple of episodes here, you know. But uh, this is a character who works within the system and who is like trying to kind of you know, but but it represents kind of this like kind of inherent good that the that the American military machine is ultimately working for positive goals, and I mean. And, in 2008 like this is not a time to sort of think like the war in afghanistan is like you know <laughs> some some uh you know overall moral good right know, it's, it's very it's and, very fucking wrong-headed it really yeah. is well well and i mean ultimately i think that where these films land i mean and i think part of what makes them successful and i mean and ironically like all of this gets kind of wiped out of tony stark's background at a certain point like mm-hmm. we're just not looking at that anymore you know it, it's ironic that this film actually does you know for the degree to which it is possible to interrogate these things within a you know 200 million dollar movie this film does better than almost any of the other films except for like maybe two of the others in terms of kind of interrogating this question of like what is the role of sort of the the military in you know modern geopolitics you know right by just sort of like foregrounding it but certainly by the time of like the avengers films don't deal with this at all he's just no you know tony stark is a brilliant billionaire um kid genius uh snarky white guy doing great things and uh being snarky and, and yeah that's, no that's kind of all the, you get from the from uh i mean we'll we'll get to it but i mean the avenger films are are they're more about the interpersonal conflicts between the avengers they're not about their backstories right I mean, I guess you're gonna link to the the solid dick essay in the uh, in the show notes here. It, we we really kind of have to at I, this point I, because I I mean I agree completely with everything that Jack Graham says. In yeah, that no, essay. you know, it, like there's it's, it's, like it's it's, it's, it's a know. brilliant takedown of everything yeah. on this. Problem. I mean, it's 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 completely it's com it's it's completely true, but you know, kind of yes and you know like yeah and. and I feel like there is, I don't want to kind of keep harping on it, but it is sort of like we're using this episode as the way to, yeah, we've kind of dealt with that in episode one because this is just, I mean, it's just endemic to the entire project. Yeah. Looking at these films, you know? So that said, I think, I think we should, uh, we should look at one of the things I really like about this film is the villain. Jeff Bridges. Um, Yep. Jeff Bridges. Uh, one of the things, and and again, spoiler alert for the for the future series. One of the things that the series does really well is casting heroes, and kind of like giving giving us like kind of compelling characters through kind of giving actors and directors kind of space to work and kind of build good people that you kind of want to be on the side of. And one of the things that these films really don't do well is kind of giving us compelling villains, you know? That's a big problem with this. So yeah, Obadiah Stane, Jeff Bridges' character. But but I think this is one of the better villains in the, in the entire movie. He really is because uh, as we go into the films and again, well, we'll talk about this later in the in the other films. A lot of the villains come out of Tony Stark and later Bruce Banner's machinations. You know, like mm-hmm. they're they're directly a response to the actions that uh, these characters take. This one is like a fully formed villain 
who is, you know, he has his own motivations. He's not dependent on Tony Stark or anything like that. Like he, he was already created on his own. Well, like, well, and, and sort of the, the mirror image of Tony Stark in a way where yes, like, the film. So outside of the sort of larger sociopolitical dynamic that we've already kind of beaten into the ground a little bit in terms of this, you know, Tony Stark is, is sort of shown as, the person who wants to like move away from the immoral actions that his company right. has taken. And uh, Stane is somebody who's like, no, no, fuck that shit. Of course. Like, no, we got to We gotta keep doing this. Like, and, um, and he's, he's portrayed as someone who is uh, working both within the, the bounds of uh, kind of corporate capitalism and uh, you know, um, within the Imperial war machine of the United States. And, Again, within the confines of what these films are going to be allowed to do, this is uh, about as radical a vision of this as we're going to get. You know, um, I, outside I love, of outside of Winter Soldier, which is which is the the best version of this. You know, um, I but, love what an evil shit he is too, and yeah. and and he he justifies it like he's like I don't usually have the stomach for this stuff. Yeah, you do. You really do. Yeah, you're you're a piece of shit. The technology he uses to paralyze people. He he, he paralyzes Raza from the uh, the Ten Rings, and, yep. and 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 steals steals the armor. He paralyzes Tony later on. He's a fucking piece of shit. And I love the fact that early on he has the charm of Jeff Bridges. He he has that uh, dude charm but yeah. and, and this is the thing with jeff bridges a lot of his roles since the big lebowski have been sort of dependent on him being just like the cool guy that like, yeah. like that's a sort of persona he's taken on that has sort of worked for him in in subsequent films here he's doing the opposite of that where he starts out with like he's a charming guy he's cool you can you can kind of like him like he he's very good with the PR with the fucking company and shit like that and you, it's like oh yeah yeah okay Obadiah Stane he's kind of a cool guy no he's a piece of shit and Jeff Bridges brings that out really well where he's just like this evil son of a bitch and he uses that fucking paralyzing device and he works behind the scenes and you and you learn that he he set Tony up to be killed in his excursion to Afghanistan and to try to take over the company and all that shit. Great stuff. Like one of the best Marvel villains. And I think people don't realize that. Like I, 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 I kind of feel like people don't talk about him as one of like the great villains in the series. Well, he's, it, it is sort of like one of those, I think that gets overlooked because mm-hmm. I think people do, I mean, you know, I, I mean, this gets kind of complicated and sort of like subcultural or whatever, but, you know, sort of the, the Tumblr appreciation for the some of the sort of gender politics or interpersonal politics of the heroes right. and kind of seeing seeing that. And this is not a series which has a lot of great villains, and that's something we're going to come back to over and over yeah. again. I mean, honestly, it, as, much as, as much as people kind of like respect Thanos from the, from the more recent films, yeah. you know, Thanos is in a lot of ways sort of the, the you know, the fact that people kind of think that's a great villain is sort of like, well, yeah, you missed Obadiah Stane in the at the very beginning of this yeah. thing, but he dies at the end of uh, of Iron Man, you know. So that's the thing. Kind of, yeah, you know, that, that's the thing. This is also, and I think it's it's important to note this is like a year after the Dark Knight, you know, when you know Heath Ledger kind of 
stole the thunder out of any kind of uh you know kind of right. big budget like kind of comic book villain sort of thing this is this is just a very different era for these things and and i think that some of the stuff that has come later um kind of overwhelms the sense of like if and i did see this i saw this in theaters in 2008 i don't know what your what your kind of experience of it my mine was um, dvd First yeah. time came on DVD. I, I've seen about half of these in theaters. Um, you know, so mm-hmm. I, I think I think in future episodes we'll kind of discuss when we first saw them. I just kind of mm-hmm. forgot to mention it at this point. But no, I I think uh, this this is uh, you know you compare this to something like Hellboy or something, which mm-hmm. which was you know I think Hellboy two was the year before this, and you know the original. You know, this this is just a you know. Now we kind of see it as part of the MCU and we're covering it as part of the MCU. But certainly at the time, really, this is just kind of an independent, you know, like one thing of this kind of minor character, which then had a a closing credit scene, which was going to connect it to a larger universe. And which if this had failed, if this had not kind of made money, none of this would have gone anywhere. And it would have been weird, like things that just sort of like, Oh, it's like this closing credits thing that never went anywhere. You know, they were, they were told to gamble on this. They really were. And thankfully it really did pay off. I mean, depending on how you feel about like kind of modern Hollywood, you know, whether or not, you know, thankfully for them, you know, I mean, I like this series, so I'm kind of okay with it existing, but also like, yeah, I don't know how I feel about like this being the dominant mode of production within like uh, Hollywood these days. And Disney's going to own like 90% of everything in a couple of years. But uh, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're right on that. I'm, I'm just saying like, thankfully this led to better films. Like it really yeah. did. And yeah, no, no. Although, although Iron Man would be, I mean, you know, the first Iron Man, you know, as, as a film, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm tempted to like rank these as we, as we go and like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, you know, but that's more work that I'm going to put into it. But this would this would definitely be kind of like in the the top half of these films, I think. You know, for me, you know, let's let's rank them when we get to the end of it. Well, we'll never really, you know, the the the, the MCU will never end. Like they will. Always well, I mean, you know, the first twenty one films. Let's, yeah, yeah. let's let's leave it at like like when or we get there. Like, maybe we'll, maybe at the end of the first phase we'll rank, and then you know, kind of you know, we'll kind of go from there. Anyway, we'll figure it out as we go along. Audience, what do you want us to do with this? Half of our audience doesn't care about this, so it's fine. <laughs> you know? like, you know. Mike Murphy, this is Mike Murphy's favorite podcast. Yeah. I can just see I can just see the like frowny face emojis that he's putting on this. You know? If if we actually see a comment from Mike Murphy, I would be like amazed. Like it yeah. would be it would be beyond fucking you know, it would just be on the pale. Like Mike yeah, Murphy no. throws something in there. But uh yeah, I I do like this film a lot. Yeah. Um on revisiting it. Robert Downey Jr.'s performance is great. Uh, I think all the actors in this are great. Like, yeah, I know. I agree. Like every, everyone works well together. I'm both kind of pissed off that Robert Townsend is it Robert no Terrence Howard. Robert Townsend. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Uh no, no, Terrence Do all Terrence, black people look alike to you? Is that's that right. Yeah, they're all the same to me. Yeah. yeah, no, no, Terrence Howard didn't, you know come on for the later films is it's kind of weird like this this film kind of i i think we'll get into that a little bit when we get to iron man 2 but yeah great special effects uh last movie stan uh winston worked on uh oh yeah i i I wasn't i wasn't i wasn't aware of that but yeah um, i probably was in the back of my mind somewhere but i didn't you know I didn't yeah. do any research for this other than rewatching <laughs> the film, so yeah, it's fine. You know, uh, and this also, is a very casual rewatch, despite yeah, the fact that, yeah, you know, and, over a, 
you know, a movie series. But another cool thing about this is that uh, the script, when they went to shooting, wasn't completely finished. So there was a lot of like basically just second or third takes. Like they were just they had a couple cameras filming. And a lot of improvision, and you yeah. can kind of you can kind of see that how the way it worked out. It, it, it felt like that Robert Downey Jr. was just riffing, and you know Gwyneth Paltrow was just kind of like uh, reacting to that. It, it kind of feels like that as you watch it. So, well, I, as as we as we get deeper into this, I mean, one of the things that they do is, I mean, you know, for giant, you know, again, kind of thinking about like the era in which this is made thinking about like kind of that time period when you know these giant budget films were kind of much more meticulously kind of planned and focus grouped and you know like in it's not that this isn't but there is a sense in which what really makes these films work is giving the actors space to kind of do things and mm-hmm. giving kind of creative people you know people who are you know a lot of the directors of these i mean john favreau again you know was best known for making like a low budget indie feature about you know 1990s swing revival culture you know (laughs) and uh like kind of bringing him in and going like you're gonna be the guy who's gonna launch our you know like multi-billion dollar franchise of of, uh you know comic book films (laughs) like that's a that's a that's kind of a weird idea and and that's something that i think really gets kind of understated in terms of people talking about Mm -hmm. these is it's just the idea that like a bunch of these films are like the people who make the avengers films these days are like literally people who got their start making you know arrested development episodes you know and uh you know and i think that that's a uh an under an underrated element of this is that it, they do kind of give the performers and give the creative people enough enough room within the confines to sort of make something that is kind of individual and certainly at this kind of early age at this these these kind of first few films um they're kind of all over the place in terms of their in terms of their tone and I think that's something we're going to kind of get into you know that that does speak to the um the degree to which they did have uh, uh, some some creative control and kind of kind of giving creators some money and kind of saying like make something good and I and I think that that's uh, I think that that's something that that uh, kind of makes these work like it it doesn't feel like top down control to the same degree that yeah. some of their amateurs have you know. It so. it feels like they're pulling from people who actually love the source material even if they're not like necessarily iron man fans it's just people who want a marvel universe to work it it, it feels like people who are just buzzed to like do any sort of serious marvel property where it might go forward into something else which is what they do here i do want to mention just briefly the iron man theme track from 1966 which is the sort of uh, marvel cartoons from that era like there was a whole avengers and uh a bunch of different other Marvel cartoons that came out at that time. Uh, and you'll hear these themes uh, as we go along in this series over and over again. <laughs> Lee is doing the editing on these, just FYI. Yeah. You know? But I, I, I just want to say that uh, that Iron Man theme shows up several times in this film in different variations. Uh, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. So I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely excited. Yeah. So there you go. Um, yeah. I got nothing else to say about it. I like the film. I like it better after rewatching it, and I look forward to getting to the uh, subsequent films of the Marvel universe. Yeah, 
I mean, uh, the goal with this podcast is to kind of make these brief. And so, like, there's definitely, like, so much stuff that we missed. This film, rewatching it, it was surprisingly complex for me. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there's a lot kind of going on. There are a lot of moving parts that kind of slot themselves in. But uh, we're, we're trying to make these uh, a little bit lighter, a little bit more uh, just kind of fun and just kind of, look, kind of looking at the big picture. So, yeah, I, I don't feel like uh, there's, any, you know, we talked about Gwyneth Paltrow. We talked about uh, Jeff Bridges. Uh, we talked about, uh, Tony Stark and, um, yeah. Yeah. Also John Favreau. He has a, he has mm-hmm. a big part in this who will come back in uh, future movies and then like, just kind of mysteriously disappear at a certain point And <laughs> we'll probably talk about that. So yeah. Happy, yeah. happy Hogan got finger flicked by Thanos at some point. Maybe yeah, whatever happened anyway. Um, so, uh, in the next one of these, which, uh, we're going to produce these whenever we, can be bothered to do it in the realm of our uh, other uh, production schedule. Uh, we will be talking about the Incredible Hulk, which was released uh, about uh, five weeks after this one, and uh, which is kind of the uh, bastard stepchild, kind of the kind of the uh, the black sheep of of this uh, universe. I think mm-hmm. it is uh, to this date the the lowest grossing of all these films, but uh, in a lot of ways. I mean, I would argue one of the best of these films. So uh, we'll kind of go from there. Uh, Lee, you have anything to uh, say to kind of finish us off? No, I'm just looking forward to uh, getting into the series. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And go back and think about them a bit deeper and bullshit about them with you will be uh, great. So yeah, let's, no. let's go on. Good times. Yeah. So whenever we manage to get it out there, The Incredible Hulk will be our next episode. Thanks a lot for listening, and cheers. Cheers. You have been listening to Cape Shit. For other episodes, please visit tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through.